0: Bloody Elbow presents Show Money, the podcast that focuses strictly on the business side of combat sports. Here are your hosts, John S. Nash, Paul Gift, and Jason Cruz.
1: Welcome to Show Money, the only show exclusively dedicated to the business of mixed martial arts. I'm Paul Gift, the economist. With me as always, we have Jason Cruz, our lawyer, and John Nash, the man who knows everyone and everything in MMA. This is a special day. We're recording on Sunday, January 8th. It is our fiftieth Show Money episode. I don't remember how many years we've been doing this, but maybe we get six to eight uh, a year. Uh, even though we always try, for, we we say we'll try for once a month. But hey, oh well. Uh, this is our fiftieth episode. For those who have been listening or watching, thank you for that. We really appreciate it. And. It is uh, January 8th, the beginning of 2023. So what we're going to do, there's been some big news recently that we're going to talk about. Jake Paul and his PFL deal is one of the biggest. Um, Dana White and the slap is a big one. And so uh what, the way we're going to frame this is we're going to talk about sort of the four big promotions. Uh We'll start with PFL, but then UFC, and then either Bellator or One, uh whichever order it comes up in, and sort of talk about things we think might happen this year or outlook for the year from our, from our business perspective. Uh, and so the, the the news of the week uh, outside of the slap was, was Jake Paul announcing on Thursday that he has signed a deal with the PFL, a multi-fight multi-year deal in which he and his business manager, Nikita Bedarian, uh, former CFO of the UFC, both got equity stakes in the PFL. I don't believe we know how much yet. I don't believe we know how long they vest or what the performance goals or anything like that. But Darian, uh, according to the New York Times, will assist with PFL operations and pay-per-view strategy. And we know what Jake Paul is all about, trying to bring attention to the PFL. And supposedly the idea is he might uh, box Nate Diaz this year and then fight him in MMA after. So Jason, that was the big news On Thursday seems like a pivot from the PFL's old strategy. What did, what, what did you think when you first heard that news that day?
2: Well, you know, there was, there was rumblings about it last year, of course, with PFL and its attempts to, you know, make itself the second biggest, uh, MMA promotion in uh, North America. I, I see it as a move uh by the PFL to try to impress upon itself as moving ahead is number two. Uh Jake Paul is, I mean, you know, Jake Paul is Jake Paul. He's someone that is crossed over into this space, this industry and has disrupted it. And he's, Created a, a little fandom, a little swirl of of interest. So that's good for the PFL. I think they need that. I also think that the creation of this paper brew uh, super fight division uh, should be a next step for the PFL as well because uh we don't know particularly how the uh, PFL first pay-per-view did which was the day after Thanksgiving but it did come up with some great fights some entertaining fights and actually an upset which would could lead us possibly to uh, a fourth fight between Larissa Pacheco and Kayla Harrison so there there is something there but um more along the lines Jake Paul is a shit starter shit starter he's going to start some stuff and Hopefully sell pay-per-views. That's what's, that, that's the whole deal of what he's gonna do. Now the whole, now we're gonna talk about this and I'm John, I'm sure John will, will, uh, will, talk about this a little more, is the whole thing about maintaining the gimmick. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say the gimmick. Maintaining this, uh, talking point of giving back to the fighters. Health and safety. You know, this whole thing about Anderson Silver is gonna help me create the, a fighters union. That's great. We're gonna make a logo. That's great. So now, He's said that fighters in the pay-per-view division will earn 50% of the revenue from pay-per-view events. I always want to know what's that, is that gross or net? What, what's the, what, what is the definition of revenue? That's still an interesting thing because I, as I always tell people, nothing from nothing is nothing. So, uh, you know, you could have a par, uh, 50% of something, but if it's nothing, it's still nothing. So, uh, it, it, if Jake Paul is able to lure somebody like a Nate Diaz to a big pay-per-view but I see that happening. and I, I see that. Making a lot of money, but the sustainability of those fights—they're going to start out with, I believe he said two or three. That will be that'll be interesting to see how they stack it up and are able to continue that momentum. He is indicates he wants to do boxing and MMA. Well, uh, that's yet to be seen. We've seen him do boxing. I mean, can he really do MMA? And if he does MMA, will it be with uh, Nick Diaz? Did I say Nick? Nate. Will Nick it be Nick. with Nate Diaz? I'm sorry, I make that up. Will it be with Nate Diaz? Will it be with some other person who's less uh uh more more uh uh more Jake style, uh meaning older. Uh, MMA guy who's less, uh, refined. Uh, we shall see. So uh, I'll, will I'll, I'll, I'll uh, uh, pass it along to John to see what his thoughts on it. But I think it's a, it's, it's a bold move for PFL as it's seemingly trying to make strides into the, uh, headspace of, uh, MMA promotions.
1: Yeah, John, were you, were you surprised when he signed with PFL? And I think, I believe you'll confirm with uh, indications where the, the pay-per-view did not do well at all,
3: right? No, I, I'm sure the, the indication the of the pay-per-view supposedly did like 10,000 buys. I don't know if it did that low or if it did more. I, I'm one though, I said I was not alarmed. People are like, oh, this is a disaster for the PFL. Even though I know it did terrible sales, I don't think it was a disaster because the point is they've been talking since they have a, a presentation of investors they did in 2021. They're raising money and they talked about 2022. They're going to do pay-per-views all year. That was the year their super fight division was going to go out, but they, the fighters were not available. And so the first paper they did, uh, just to do it was with Kayla Harrison. I don't think it's a disaster because if you're going to do it, let's say you sign Nate Diaz and, and, uh, and Jake Paul t- to fight in PFL, or let's say you get one of the other big name and Gano comes out and you have a big fight planned up. For PFL do you want to waste your first pay-per-view that and get the kinks out and waste the sales, potential sales, right? If it, you think it could do well, or would you rather do it to the event because you know you got to get pay-per-view going, you know, you got to get people uh, conditioned to buy pay-per-views. Do you want to do your first pay-per-view is one that you're not really alarmed if it doesn't sell a lot, but, and that also lets you test out the ESPN. I mean, a, a big thing they have going for them. I don't think people want to, they sell ESPN plus sells the UFC pay-per-views they keep track unlike the past when you are you know when you're buying from direct tv they have some inkling who's buying no they have information directly at the subscriber who's getting it specifically they can track who's buying it what fights are you buying what fights do you seem to be interested in, what type of fights what fighters uh what what promotional d- devices gets you to sign on to get a pay per view does it uh do you need if you get a discount are you more likely to get it do you get an email at a certain time and they can keep that data and they can use it for pfl now and send it to UFC fans on these pay-per-views. And they can find out, they can also track which ones, who are the big Nate Diaz fans, right? So if he does, if, he, if they can sign Nate Diaz to fight Jake Paul, they have information that no other promotion would have because they have access through SBN Plus to the UFC sales. And so that's that's a possibly a big benefit to them uh, for this. But I don't think, I wasn't surprised that they made this announcement because I know they've been working on it. You got to remember, too, is this announcement, this deal with Jake Paul is only from MMA. Uh, My understanding is asking around is he is not exclusive to them for not for boxing. He can sign elsewhere for boxing matches. And he sounds like he's still looking into boxing. So he's not exclusive to PFL. But he's there offering promotional and and he gets to give him his Twitter account and all social media to hype him, which is helpful because they get a lot of attention. But I I talked to PFL and officials there, someone there, they told me they guaranteed he will have a fight in the PFL in 2023. So we know we should get, he should at least have a fight. Maybe it's an MMA, maybe it's a boxing one year, but he will have one fight in PFL for sure this year. So that's huge for them. The key now is they have a a pay-per-view division they've been launching for a while. Because that's where the real money in the sport is. You know, UFC has been able to use their huge pay-per-view events to get the, the, the rest of the ESPN deal. But without the big pay-per-view fights, they never would get that $300 million deal. You know, in other words, without the fact that they're consistently put on big events and have made themselves in this juggernaut through the, through the big pay-per-views, they never would have got the, the big ESPN deals. The PFL, they need the big pay-per-views now. The next step is getting more fighters and they've made it obvious they want to sign fighters and they, they, you know, like one, PFL says a lot of hokey stuff that doesn't add up. They just say a lot of absurd, ridiculous shit about how good their roster is. You know, like Don Davis said, we have a roster that compares the UFC at top 25 fight matrix. Then you look at fight matrix and no, you don't. That doesn't even come close. Bellator actually blows you away. You know, they say, they say stuff that probably most investors, potential investors, aren't going to be able to follow through because they don't understand the sport. So they say a lot of nonsense. But unlike one, the money they're getting from investors, they're putting into something smart, it seems to me. They're putting the money into some fighters to put on pay-per-view products. And and so I'm a little more forgiving because I at least I understand the game plan. What they're saying might be nonsense, but they're doing this. So the next step is to see what happens, I guess, with Nganu. Gano's a free agent, his contract came to an end because of the five year sunset provision. The next step is to follow will he talk to PFL minor, you know. I I don't think he's talked to anybody but the UFC. So maybe he's set on going back. But if he's willing to start asking around, we got to see what's the PFL willing to offer him. And if they sign him, then you know, okay, then I go, this is this is much more than just a gimmick. They are very serious about building because there's very limited supply of pay per view stars. And then I'll say they're very and I, I have some feeling that they really are interested in Nganu, but if they get they sign him or another big fighter like him, then I will say this is their they're they are trying for real to build an actual pay-per-view product. Well, it's about time. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> building around their meritocracy. It's about time they start building around some uh, name fighters, even
3: well, if it is Jake Paul. Uh to be fair to interrupt you, to be fair, it's not like these fighters are readily available. I agree. You know, there's not there's not a great number of them, and then finally a few of them are starting to come on the market in the last few months. So I agree. But you know,
1: we you know, their model all along was meritocracy, right? Earn it. Uh and now they're well they're they're still gonna run that, right? But then uh <laughs> they're finally starting to say, Okay, uh <laughs> we put on the best show that we could possibly put on. And I agree with you. Even if it did truly bomb um, that, it, that it is good to get that experience. And I never fault anyone for just trying things. You have to try things out and see what works and learn from them, uh, and, and try to do better. Right. Um, and so one thing that, uh, um, th- there's a couple of things. First off, for the data part, I'm just, I'm not a hundred percent sure who owns that data. It, what you said could very well be possible. I would just be surprised if the UFC. Sort of allows ESPN to learn from their data and then use that learning and help a competitor, right? Uh, so it's, 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 I think that all depends on the contracts and how they were worked out. Um, so it's, it's possible that maybe PFL could benefit from that data. Maybe not. Um, I would be surprised if USC let that happen, but you never know. Maybe they wanted that, that, um, uh, guaranteed income from their pay-per-views and they gave those rights up. So who, who knows? The one thing I'm going to throw out there is I'm curious what, that Nikisa Badarian might add into this because, you know, none of us know that I'm guessing none of us ever met him. Right. (laughs) The only thing we know about that guy is don't argue with him on a basketball court. Yeah. (laughs) That's the only thing I think we know about that guy. Yeah. And who I'm talking about is the former CFO of the UFC for five years. He was either a, a VP of strategy or CFO of the UFC somewhere around 2011 to 2016. Um, And now he's assisting with PFL operations and pay-per-view strategy. And I don't know, maybe it will end up being a nothing burger. But CFOs are, you know, at their high level, they have their hands in every single department. They're not dealing with the daily minutiae, but he should know how to produce, operate, and market big shows. And I, I truly wonder what value that might bring. At the end of the day, you need the fighters, like you said, John. But I I I I do and that is an angle of this. I so don't think people have talked about much that you do have someone who is at an extremely high level of the UFC now helping PFL out, and I I don't know maybe that will add some
3: value. And, and someone that. with ex- he's running the pay per view division, some of the experience now with multiple working on multiple pay per views as as a as a promoter on them. So unlike other people, he's worked on actually successful pay per views, <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> now, it helps that he's had the fighters in, in his back pocket there too, right? <laughs> but uh it it seems like this could be a uh this is a very interesting strategy. What do you think of the multi fight, multi year? Did that did that mean anything to you, Jason? Like I was shocked I was kinda shocked that he did multi year. Um I thought I thought Jake Paul would be a one off guy. I don't know, you know if I was I- the only
2: one. I probably think that it had to relate to the fact that he got equity, uh, I, which leads me to another thing I'll, I'll talk about in a sec. But I think that if, if in the negotiations, probably they would allow him to get equity if he would do multi-year. I mean, if you can't be one and done and have equity equity stake in in, uh, nope. in a company, that's going to make some money. So I, that's why I think the multi-year thing came into place. And then, um you know, uh, I, I, I am a little concerned about how you could be a fighter for a league, for a promotion, and also be the a part owner. You know, how does that work out? You know, do you, do you think that? Yeah, do you think that if he fights Nate Diaz and he ate Nate Diaz is not going to say, Hey, this was all rigged because he owns the thing too. Uh, so that's a little bit, uh, weird in a way because you don't, you don't see, I mean, uh, you know, I, I know in other sports, you want people like LeBron has indicated he wants to own, own, uh, own a team and things like that. But well, you can't do that when you're an active player. So, uh, Jake Paul is an active player and he's going to have an equity stake in the PFL. Uh, I, from a, from Jake Paul's business perspective, this is great for him because he is, he is bringing something to the table. He's bringing the Jake Paul brand and like all of his followers on social media and everybody who either hates him or loves him, uh, he's, he has somewhat of a track record on pay per view. I mean, you could talk, you could argue about the uh, his abilities as a boxer, but he's his ability to bring in a crowd and and promote a an event. Uh, obviously shows that he, he can do it. He can do it. The Paul brothers actually are pretty good athletes, to be honest with you. Logan Paul is actually not that bad in the pro wrestling field, but like, I mean, so the both of them. Um, we're talking about Dick, but I think that he, um, he maybe wants to, be with somebody that he could just stick it in Dana White's face, you know, hey, you know, f- fuck you, Dana White. We're doing, we're doing well over here at PFL. So, um, I don't know if his advisors had told him it's going to take more than just one pay-per-view, one year to do it. So it's okay to go multi-year. I don't know how many multi-years if you guys could chime in, but like, you know, it, it would make sense that he does multi-years to kind of build upon this, uh, uh what, what he's trying to do here.
3: Yeah. And the, and the thing to remember too, it's exclusive for MMA. He's with PFL. Yep. I don't know how many MMA fights he's going to have. I guess they, again, they guaranteed one fight, but for boxing, I mean, if big boxing matches show up. It, there's no guarantee. It sounds like he has to bring it to the PFL. Those boxing matches might go somewhere else. And as a partner and let's say as a promoter, the good thing is the Muhammad Ali boxing reform act doesn't, uh, reform doesn't apply to MMA. So he can be a promoter. And a fighter in MMA, whereas in boxing, you couldn't, you couldn't do that. Although there is an exception for boxers in their own matches and stuff for themselves. You can break that, that rule. So, uh, but, uh, so it's, you know, again, it's, uh, a lot of things going his way. I think it, it feels smart. I mean, I'm going to have to wait and see what happens, see the next announcements, see what they actually hold events. Cause we always hear big announcements in MMA and then you, the, when it comes around, they, they're not quite as big as they make them out to be. But the sound of it is, I think it, I mean, you read their investor, uh, you know, their uh, presentation and their plans. They've been planning for a while to get pay-per-view, but they've been talking about the 50. The Okay. A lot of their talk again is bull because the 50% split, if you want to get top fighters, the 50% split sounds great to MMA fans and everything. But the top fighters leaving the UFC, they're not going to want, they're going to look at boxing and say, we want what like a Canelo gets. He doesn't get 50%. Him and his opponent gets 70 or 80% and when they get guarantees they don't just get a split of the revenue they get large guarantees i imagine a lot of the big name mma fighters if they go on the market they're like i'm leaving the ufc you got to offer me that and so this it's a good talking point but i don't think i think a lot of the stuff they talk about doesn't really matter what matters do they deliver and it will be interesting to see because it does look like they're they're attempting to to make that move
1: well well and 50% is what they say for fighters on, on those pay-per-view events.
3: Yes, yes, right? not there, the regular. There's
1: more than one fighter on those events. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's not, it's not like Jake Paul gets 50% necessarily. Who, who knows? He we should. Can negotiate.
3: I mean, it, but really what it should be, not that it should be, but the way you'd imagine that would end up being is if Jake Paul fights Nate Diaz in PFL – I can't imagine they, they would agree to do it for like, we're going to get, you know, 30% and then the rest, no, they're going to say, we are going to get everything and you're going to benefit from us fighting for your promotion. And that's basically what the, I imagine. And we're also going to need some sort of guarantee in case you guys botch it and can't sell it. So th- I think there's going to be that involved, but with the 50 cents, a good talking point. I mean, though, this, the thing is that they're still. I mean, they they said a lot of stuff. They they raise money and they they pitched themselves as a league, is this next thing in the brand. And again, I think this demonstrates the outside of the UFC brand. Brands really mean nothing in MMA, nothing in combat sports. It's the fighters. People are going to go over there if they can watch you. You have a very good chance of success if we can tune in to eventually see Jake Paul versus Diaz. We can see Diaz versus McGregor if Engano goes against, let's say Miocic or something in PFL. If These type of fights, Cyborg versus Harrison, if you're able to put on those fights, you will get people buying the pay-per-views. That's my guess.
1: I just want to put it out there really quick that the UFC attorneys are recording this and John's going to end up in the antitrust case because he just said outside of the UFC brand, brands mean nothing in MMA and they heard that quote and they're like, "Ooh, the special sauce." theory. Well, I
3: I don't I don't they have I have a whole video on it. They could watch that. I've said it repeatedly that they built the, you know, the brand is based on years and years and years of, you know, conditioning fans. So I don't think there's anything the the they could go ahead and use it. There's a there's a whole video on my channel. You can, you can lawyers, if you haven't seen it, watch it. There's probably plenty you can steal from that.
1: This is a good time to throw in, by the way. We are waiting we expect finally that Judge Boulware should uh, issue his order on class certification. It could be any day now. It could be two months from now. But we actually have good reason to be optimistic that it's coming soon. And when it does, we will, we will definitely be writing about it. And we will definitely do a show on it. Um, so, Jason, let me throw it over to you. How, how do you think this could go if you had to sort of describe a scenario where this goes really well for the PFL or one where it just absolutely bombs for them? How, what do you think those would be?
2: So let's start with a bomb. So the bomb is Jake Paul gets injured. He can't, he can't, he can't fight 2023. That's the bomb. Uh, the good part, the the good is Jake Paul fights MMA. Uh, uh, I foresee him fighting someone, not Nate Diaz yet. Fight someone, uh, he puts them in some sort of shitty, uh, submission. We all go crazy. We think we, Jacob Paul can do MMA. In the fall of 2023, he, he calls out Nate Diaz. They do boxing. PFL becomes that, uh, that promotion. They win the, what, they win the rights, whatever. They put it on, uh, opposite a UFC fight night and it does well. That, that would be an, a great first year for, for, uh, uh PFL in 2023. And it, and, uh, and it springboards, uh, PFL uh for 2024. You also could see somebody like Francis Naganu. The best case scenario, Francis Naganu signed with PFL. You get other fighters who are coming off their UFC contracts or Bellator, the UFC contracts, and decide to fight in PFL and they build up this league. What what uh you don't want to see is uh they just take people from uh the PFL regular PFL league and put them in the pay-per-view division. People who haven't made, who lost during the, uh, during, during the season into that. Uh, because they might not be pay-per-view draws. But, uh, in the best case scenario, they put on two pay-per-views in 2023. It does well, so well, that they actually report the, uh, report the buys. So, uh, that's what I see is the good. Uh, the bad, like I said, Jake Paul gets injured somehow training and he's out for the whole year.
3: He's out for the whole year. John, how, how about you? Well, I'm not going to jinx it like he did, but say anybody gets injured. Uh, no, uh, yeah, the, well, the, <laughs> well, the you worst,
2: for best case scenario, bad, the
3: worst case scenario. Worst case scenario again is pretty much what he said or. They they're unable to get let's say Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz goes to Ryzen and fights Manny Pacquiao, or someone makes a fortune down there. Because people don't realize we're not going to talk about Ryzen. Actually, is doing much better. I think people realize they've the losing the Fuji deal, TV deal was actually kind of a benefit to them. But so we're going to go that they can't get him. They can't get a big fight for Paul that they're going to put on that's going to make a lot of money. They they can't get the other fighters and God who doesn't sign. And maybe because they have this money and investors are waiting, they sign – They they pay a lot for fighters that are not pay-per-view draws. They try to put on fights that are not and lose a lot of money, and they basically burn – Throw all their capital before they can actually start putting on pay-per-views. B- pay-per-views that are profitable or do enough to draw attention that they can build on. That would be the worst that they're, they just blow through the money be- without putting on actual events that could generate money themselves. Best case scenario is, uh, you know, but basically we said Jake Paul and, and Nate Diaz fight there and Gano signs and my understanding is people like, uh, Stipe Miochik and, uh, and John Jones, their contracts are coming to an end within the, you know, uh, Miochik, I think this spring or something and, and John Jones a year from now that some, people like that decide to test the market and they, and the UFC does not outbid. The UFC could easily end this tomorrow by just outbidding whatever PFL offers, but the UFC does not up the offer. They can't match with the PFL's offering by offering a, a wage share split like boxing and that you do get these other, a couple other big fights. And the next thing you know is by the end of the year, you're like, Wow, PFL put on several pay per views. Those pay per views sell good, and even by paying the fighters a lot, you know, just like boxing promoters. When as Lou DiBello said, they those those events cost a lot, but when you make so much, there's a lot of money to go around, and that they find that there's money to make in the pay per view market. That they're actually turning money, they're getting a return on them. That would be the best case scenario.
2: And that would create a market for the PFL to sign
3: more free agents. It, be- it would send, yeah, would, the message would then go to other star fighters. If as soon as one big fight happens, a, a, you know, a, a Nate Diaz or Angano goes out and they see him make something remotely like a boxing payday, I think a lot of fighters, star, stars, especially paper draws, their eyes will open and say, I want what those guys are getting. I want to make, I don't want to make two, three million when I'm defending a title. I want to make 10 million when I defend the title. And the question at that point is, does the UFC match them? Because they're no longer can use – I mean, they still have restrictive contracts, but they no longer can use their contracts like they did in the past, where they can just deny you completely from entering the market. Does the UFC then match and just outbid these people to keep these key fighters? Or do they say, we don't really need them because we, we have all this guaranteed contractual revenue. We'll let them go, and they can make more money somewhere else. And so – you know, that's the, that's the, the big question. Either way, if the if PFL is somewhat successful, either way, it's a big win for fighters because they're either going to get paid more outside the UFC on, on these, on these pay-per-views or the UFC is going to start paying more for them. It's, that's a win-win for those guys. It
1: is. are all good points. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go the financial route here and just sort of say, you know, something that has been mentioned is their, their financing status, what might be happening with their money. They, they have to be. Still bleeding money on a yearly, quarterly basis. And they just raised $30 million in May of 2022, um, at a post money valuation of $5 million. And then according to Crunchbase, in total, they've raised 200 and change $203 million. So that's not, that is not that good. Raising $203 million and having a valuation of $500 million is not very good, but they were able to get that money back in the days where, where, Financing was easier to get, and it was very cheap to get. And now we're in a different world. It is for 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 growth businesses that are bleeding money. You see it a lot in tech these days. It is hard for them to get new rounds of financing. Um, you know, the profitable businesses they're, they're they're fine, but the ones who are based on growth, it's expensive to get that financing, and investors are a lot more hesitant to give it to you. So I sort of see this as when I first saw the news, the my first thought that went through my mind is. That pay-per-view bombed probably, and they need to do something to drum up revenue. I think they're probably doing better on the sponsor end over the years. It seems like they are, but they need to start showing potential investors revenue because they're going to need more money and they're going to have to give up a lot to get it. Um, you don't understand, right? Every time you raise financing, you get diluted. Uh, 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 your control goes down more. You need to convince people to give you money. Then, under what terms? Um, And they just gave up even more equity to Jake Paul, right? So, like, I see this as uh sort of we need to show, we need to start showing, we can argue all we want about our metrics. We've got to start showing cold, hard cash coming into this company. And I don't think they got that with the Uh, pay-per-view. And this seems like the play that they're making because they need to drum up that next round eventually. And you've got to show people something.
3: That's a, well, that's kind of what I was alluding to when I said that their, their worst case scenario is they put on these pay-per-views and they lose money, that they need to start making money on these pay-per-views. That's exactly, I didn't, I wasn't as erudite as you are and I didn't <laughs> take it. But I, I, I was trying to say is basically <laughs> that's it, that they the money burn is not there forever, that they have to put on events that they cannot waste it on non-pay-per-view draws. They got to get bites. I mean, they could they could have a few pay-per-views probably that, you know, don't sell a ton that get close to break even that lose some money because you have to you know, it's going to take a while to condition fans to start buying pay-per-views. But they cannot blow through they they cannot blow through a ton of money putting on an event and not selling anything just because they feel like they have to put on pay-per-views to keep the investors thinking they're, they're moving ahead. They, they, that's why it's very important that they sign the right guys, the people that will actually sell. And that, you know, and that's the key. Are they going to come? That's what, I mean, that's the whole, that's why this is very important because if they can be successful, other fighters might follow.
1: Yeah. No, I agree. Um, I do, I was going to ask, I'm going to ask if there's anything else you guys want to throw in on this topic. I do personally think that if it goes Nate Diaz boxing, then Nate Diaz MMA as his first MMA opponent, Nate Diaz is actually pretty interesting, right? Cause we know how talented he is. Um, let's assume Jake Paul wins in boxing, but, uh, he's a smaller, Extremely dangerous opponent on the ground, but doesn't really have a takedown game. Uh, So he might be able to keep it on the feet and make it sort of a kickboxing match. But I actually think that's an interesting first opponent and, and still a somewhat smaller guy. But and and we there, know um,
3: Diaz is a star. Diaz is a star. I mean, he is really yeah. one of the biggest stars in the sport. So it's if you're going to get. Yeah, that's I, I agree. I think that's a big, you know, that's potential big fight.
2: I just don't see Jake Paul fighting uh, Nate Diaz in MMA yet. It just seems like not a smart business move for him. And he seems like a smart guy. I mean, he's picking and choosing guys, uh, in, in boxing to ensure that he gets, gets the win. And I don't know if Nate Diaz is that dude. I mean, it's over if he, if they would go to the ground to be, I mean, like yeah. Nate Diaz is supreme. I mean, supremely, uh, Better in, in the ground game, like, but if it's boxing and you're grappling around, just holding each other, I mean, or whatever, it, it could be interesting,
3: but I mean, I see, I the, could, I could see it, not that, but I could see it because I think how long do we really think Jake Paul is going to be in the business, right? There's a, there's, there's a point where the interest is going to weigh in or he's going to meet someone that's going to murder him and so wait how old is jake right now
2: he's
3: just well the the key is he's not really that good he's good he's good in an acceptable way but not like he's a a elite for you know actual fighter yeah
2: so he doesn't yeah he should that's why he picks and chooses people Yeah. but
3: but a diaz fight and he could sell a lot of pay-per-view and boxing and then it could probably sell a lot more in mma because the novelty and the interest i could see him doing it and just kind of as a cash out because it's you know and, and there's always people love you go oh, i'm gonna spend a whole year training for the next one so people will be convinced to try it again or whatever but you know that they buying it but i could see that as i i mean i i could see it selling a lot i so i the idea that could sell a lot i think is the enticing if i'm if i'm nate diaz though to make sure he does it you have the boxing match say i want 10 million in escrow for the for the mma fight next and if, yeah. if we don't have it that comes to me it's forfeited so who's the young yeah. woman that uh, that fought in
2: PFL that's a boxer? I forget her name. Oh, Clarissa Shields. Clarissa Shields. So, you, I mean, you don't want a situation where he's totally embarrassed by Nate Diaz in an MMA fight. That's, that's the one thing that you don't. So that's why I, I foresee the boxing match happening first. So at least there's some sort of intrigue going into whatever they decide to do next. I mean, and it could, it could be that it's just a rematch of a boxing match. I mean, I just don't see Paul uh, getting a guy, an MMA guy, th- that's, uh, like, l- on the level of Nate Diaz. That's, that, that, that would be something that would, like, worry how, how everything could happen. Like you know, because I don't think Nate Diaz is—he goes along with everything. I, I feel like Anderson Silva went along with whatever they were doing in, in, in this past October. I don't think Nate's a guy that that plays <laughs> that
1: kind of stuff. Oh yeah,
3: Nate, Nate Womber slapped the hell out of him. We we
1: get a taste of that in the boxing match, though. We kind of get a sense of that there. Yeah, we? yeah.
3: Yeah. Oh. Anyway.
1: All right. Is there anything else you guys want to uh, throw
2: in yeah. about this? Is Jake Paul still a, a stockholder in Endeavor? You remember a lot this time last year? Uh Is he? Does he still hold Endeavor stock?
3: That that would be an interesting question. I, I don't know if he's what the deal with. So, there is He's still hawking crappy cryptocurrency stuff and NFTs to people. Well, the NFTs are going to come back. Let's be honest. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Jake is holding his UFC NFTs like twenty years from now. These things are going to be worth seventy five dollars when I paid fifty. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, <laughs> it's a long. That's what you call long term loss. I, <laughs> yeah. I need to shoot that.
1: <laughs> that was
2: a perfect way to end this segment.
1: But that is a really good question. Does he still own UFC stock? I mean, I don't think there's any law he's breaking by owning them. No, yeah, right I don't question. think
2: so either, but it would just be seem kind of weird. <laughs> and the fact that he hasn't even pushed Dan White on that thing, we'll talk about it later. But like, as a stockholder, I'm appalled is what I'm saying. But anyway, let's, we'll talk about that later.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that kind of moves us into the UFC, right? <laughs> uh, the news of the week, of course, was uh last Monday when it broke that Dana White had an altercation with his wife uh on what was it, New Year's Eve, right? In Cabo. Uh where they got an argument. Uh his wife slapped him and then it looked like he slapped her twice. Um and I we're gonna we're gonna go from this to, you know, what we think about UFC uh coming year ahead as well, but we're starting with this. Um this is a very sensitive subject, of course. Uh, but what we didn't get, we didn't get yet a response from Ari Emanuel and Endeavor. Um, we got a very quick apology from Dana White, uh, seemed sincere. Uh, but, uh, I, at least that's my take. You guys might have your take. Um, but we've got no indication of punishment or anything of that sort. Um, so John, what did you think about the incident? What do you think the punishment should be? There's a bunch of different places we could take this. Yeah. I'll let you start, however. Yeah, you're I
3: mean, I, the, the, I mean, the incident's just, you know, I mean, uh, it's it, no one really cares what I think about it, but i just, I just, you shouldn't do that. That from both front, she shouldn't slap him, he shouldn't slap her. But I do think the response from a lot of fans is kind of repulsive because the idea that even though she shouldn't slap him, I, 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 the people out there, there's a big difference between a 260-pound man slapping a woman and a 130-pound woman slapping a, a, a man. Especially a guy that's tr- lifting and training to fight for years and years, even if he does it as a hobby. That's just a massive, massive difference. Now, you know, people go, oh, there's you – know, you, you know, either – You you can't say you could never slap a woman. Then they bring up all these elaborate scenarios. What if she has a knife? What if she has a gun? Yes, yes. Yes, there are exceptions to the rule when they're violently going to threaten you and kill you. Yes, you're allowed to, you're allowed to strike them. Self-defense is allowed. Yes. But (laughs) this is not, let's, let's not make up elaborate fantasy stories about how she had a chainsaw. This is the incident happened, shouldn't happen. And I'm actually impressed with what day, how Dana White responded. He had a, a very. Good statement, I thought. He got out ahead of it. I mean, TMZ is obviously working with him on this to give him a head start. But he issued a very good statement. He had his wife issue a statement. He took full responsibility, which is bizarre. He takes full responsibility and says it should never happen. And yet you have defenders amongst fighters and fans out there saying – Oh, she deserved it when he fully says himself it shouldn't, that she, it shouldn't have happened. So he's not saying he did anything right. And yet they seem very, uh, very invested in the idea that he was in the right to do that. So that, that's my, my rant on that subject, but Dana White on a PR did a great statement. Now where I think it, it's, there's a big potential backlash here is he makes this great statement, but Endeavor. Doesn't say anything. They refuse to, they basically acknowledge that it happened. They're, they're, they refuse to make any sort of statement about the head of their professional, their supposedly major fight promotion. It's, it's a person that's in the limelight that represents your company and you make no statement. ESPN gives, does one of the most wishy-washy statements about it. They have a few comments, but really they, I think, uh, who was it? A Wagenheimer had a, a tweet where he said, we're basically told not to comment on it. And it sure seems like that way that they are not, they are not really commenting except having Stephen A. Smith who talks about his good buddy, Dana White. And, and they're not coming out strong and they're basically throwing all the blame on the UFC saying, we're just, we just broadcast events. They do the production. It's up to them. So that makes it worse that they will not comment on it. And then on top of that, we're just weeks away from the premiere of the Dana White power slap league, which and in, in truth should not be dropped because, you know, of this incident. It should have never existed in the first place. It's a god awful, atrocious, offensive idea to begin with. We should never be having a professional CTE league. So, but to make it worse, it's named for him. It's him slapping people after this his wife and they won't address it. And they still seem to be going forward with this. So I do think there's a potential that it's going to garner a lot more attention than it would have otherwise if they just would have came out and said, it's unacceptable what Dana did. He's going to take a leave of absence and we're going to address it down the road. You know, we'll get, we're we going to address it and he's taking a leave of absence. That probably would have quelled it more. But now I think it's. It, there's a potential that will get a lot more attention because even though most fans and most media and most general people outside have no interest in MMA and they already view it as a trash sport, you can't reinforce the idea it's a trash sport. You can't make it obvious that it's a pure trash sport. And I think that's the big mistake they made. So eventually, I think there there's a chance the pressure might come from outside that Dana White might step aside for a while, which is, we talked about PFL in our view that could be big for them, because Dana White is a magnet for attention in the space of MMA. That's what he's been there for. He's become the center of the UFC and MMA if he steps aside, that makes a lot more room for the fighters and other promotions to step in and gather some attention. So, I, I think it was a mistake. They Dana White did a great PR job for them, and then everybody else dropped the ball. That that works for them. So that's just my take.
1: Yeah, and th- that's what I expected too. Like I'm coming to you in a second, <clears throat> Jason. But Dana is not the is not the boss of the UFC, right? Ari Emanuel is. And they both answer to the Endeavor board. Uh, and I, I exp- I thought that within a few days, Ari would announce something like an indefin- indefinite leave of absence for Dana and an announcement that he's getting some way, shape or form help somehow. I don't- it could be a variety of ways of doing it, right? And then he'd be gone for what I think would probably be like three or four months, but maybe in this world, normally be three or four months, maybe in this world, one or two. Um, and then he'd come back and have a statement and, and, and start promoting again while, uh, Hunter Campbell took his spot while he was gone. That's what I would have thought, but that's not what we saw. So, uh, Jason, what, uh, what are your thoughts on all this?
2: So uh, three words and then I'll, I'll go into my spiel. Embarrassment. Uh, a, a, accountability and toleration. So, embarrassment. First of all, uh, the scene of a Cabo nightclub where a 50-year-old man and his wife are at the club on New Year's Eve, I'll be, It's it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. It's just, uh, just from the fact of like where, where they are at, at that particular time. Now, uh, obviously the actions are just embarrassing as well. She's, she was upset. She slapped him. Dana slapped her. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, that's between the family as far as how, uh, how they deal with that situation. As John indicated, Dana, Dana working with TMZ got in front of that. You re- realize that the first report that happened was on a Monday. Monday, not Sunday, not January first, January second, it happened, and it, it. The headline included Dana White's, White's remorse. Obviously, TMCs uh, has all this information and can spin it for Dana, and they they interviewed Dana, and Dana said the right things, and I, I and I genuinely believe that he himself uh, felt remorse, but that does not that does not make it it right to have your first impulse when slapped by your wife is to slap back that is not right at all not right at all and so uh to go along uh, go further into this embarrassing thing let's talk about Kevin I always god awful god awful embarrassing for the love of Christ terrible writing performance with that column in which he basically deifies Dana White and what he's done. Uh, And uh, that was just a terrible thing. I'm I'm referring to a column that you should not even, uh, the viewer, not even read. Uh, Also, Stephen A. Smith and uh, his performance on ESPN's first take, Protecting White. For ESPN to have this, uh, soft light basically on Dana, on Dana White's actions when he did say he fucked up is just, uh, just horrible, just horrible. Uh, it, it is, just, uh, it's undignified and it makes you believe, uh, that you cannot take ESPN as genuine as an outlet to take fact. As I, as I as I wrote, it's more more along the lines of entertainment than 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 fact, because they're protecting their assets. Now, let's talk about accountability. Dana White, he 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 said the right things and in, 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 in shoring up his accountability as far as uh, him fucking up and hitting his wife. Now, nothing else had, uh he, he didn't express anything else as far as, well, I'm going to take a leave of absence. I'm going to go to counseling. I'm going to, you know. He did say he talked to, they expressed remorse. They had his wife, Express remorse in a written statement, they said they talked to the kids, the ki- they, exp- ex- they expressed their uh, uh, sorrow to each other, which is fine, and we can't as, as a people is, uh, have them do more. but from public relations standpoint in what is a famous figure, you know there is more to be done because of domestic violence and its, its horrible effects it has on people. Toleration. Endeavor, USC, ESPN, they have tolerated, uh, Dana White's, uh, actions here by not saying anything. Deplorable. Unbelievable. Dana White himself has crucified himself by saying he, he, he fucked up. There's no, you know, they're bringing back his, his quote from The Guardian when, when, when he was talking about Ray Rice. And it's come back to, to, to haunt him. And, E Endeavor and UFC hasn't come out and said anything about it. I mean, you have to recognize this is this is the head of one of your leagues that is really helping you make profits with ESPN plus and they say nothing except for Stephen A Smith's uh, apologetic uh, uh, apologetic uh, uh uh talk about it on first date. So this I mean it's it's unacceptable makes me really feel bad inside about the whole domestic violence thing. Yes. It was a bad it was a bad moment in one in, in an individual's life. Uh should he be judged on that one moment? No. But he shouldn't uh, just get a pass because he he said he's sorry. There has to be repercussions for your actions, and that's why the toleration uh, of, of this by Endeavor, UFC, and ESPN is just horrible. Because these are professional uh, big outlets, and all they can do is play the uh, the tag routine as far as who to who who to who to talk to about uh, about the the incident. And it seems to be Dana White's quote regarding TMZ. So that, that's, uh, that's all for my rant. I just, you know, uh, it, when you hear things like this, it just makes you feel repulsive. It happens in boxing. Look at Javante Davis. I mean, he was, he still put on a pay-per-view last night. Uh, it happens in the NFL. Look, I mean, we uh, they, there have been great pieces written about this subject. Uh, it's happened in the NFL. It's happened in the NBA with Miles Bridges, uh, most recently. I mean, it's a terrible thing. It should be stopped. And we can't, we can't have this uh, talking point about like, well, it's okay because she hit first and we should have equal rights. That's some fucking bullshit. You, you really need some help if you, if that's, if that's how you think. You should never strike a woman. Uh, and this is one of those hard situations. Now, I'm sorry for going long, but, also, let's talk about Power Slap. Power Slap should have it should have been uh should have been should have been fucking canceled the minute that we reported on Dana White slapping. Jesus Christ, this is fucking terrible. Is it because they're trying to save money because they already shot the episodes? I feel bad for these competitors, but Jesus Christ, you're going to have a slap league after the commissioner slaps somebody slaps his wife? Unbelievable. It's one of those. It's one of those things that makes you think about combat sports and say, why do I follow this sport uh, when when the people in it act just just terribly and there's no repercussions.
1: (laughs) There. It's like, how do we, how do we, how do we follow that, John? Oh, <laughs> um, well, yeah, but,
2: sorry, I just, but no, really, I, first really off, really I
1: was going to agree with you. It has been very dismaying to see the react. Some people in the MMA community are awesome, amazing, amazing people. But like the reaction you get in other parts of the MMA community, you're just like, oh my God, Why? why it, it and and i'm not even talking about anything about tbs but john go ahead
3: <laughs> no I just it's apparently we live a lot of people that fall are into mma the fighters and the fans a lot of them are from a pre-industrial uh goat herding society because it's all about how the worst thing that could ever happen to you is my honor has been slighted and i have to defend that because that's the only currency we have in our society and otherwise i gotta be forced to wander off in the hills and starve to death that seems to be the response that a lot of them have that my oh my listen join the 21st join the. The 20th century and join you know, a dignity society, which we've we've been up to this point. So that's that's my only thing about that. So, but the good news is there's there's even worse stories this week. We don't even have to talk about because they have nothing to do with financial <laughs> stuff. But that's just just the <laughs> MMA uh, combat sports in general. And I guess it's the nature of it. It's going to draw people that view it's a violent sport. It's going to view people that view violence and force as uh the you know might makes right. And so that's going to lead to a lot of people that probably have very Terrible, terrible ideological views. So that's all I can say.
2: And, and let me just say this. I've, I've interviewed MMA guys and they seem to be the nicest dudes. Um, most laid back dudes, uh, there, there are, but I, I just have a huge issue when a, a when if someone, especially someone close to you, like your wife slaps you and your first impulse is to slap back. That is very disturbing to me very disturbing it's it's someone you love someone you love and the fact that you can say oh there's no excuse but there was alcohol i mean come on that's the excuse you cannot even when drunk that cannot be your first first impulse is to slap a slap a woman cannot absolutely cannot no
1: and it's just if that happens like it's just something's not right something needs to be addressed you know in your life I, I don't know i've never met dana white right i don't know his family it, it, it's just when something like that happens there's def- i mean there's definitely a sign that something needs to be addressed now i thought and again i thought that if dana didn't do it himself that arya would come in now if taking a few days i think is perfectly fine you never need to react like right away um uh but i thought he would come in and address it somehow. And so I'm going to ask you guys in a second, what do you think will come of it starting like next week was the first time. I think we're going to see Dana at the next week's show, uh, or Saturday, whatever the 15th or 14th or whatever day that is. Um, it's starting to seem to me like the only, I I thought ESPN could have put pressure for something to happen, but it's starting to seem to me like the only way something's going to happen, um, in terms of maybe leave of absence accountability something like that and i know he I take that back i mean cuz he did make what seemed like a sincere apology at least um but um is if sponsors start to get upset and so, right, we know that sponsors can drive change uh we definitely know that right the the espn's not abandoning their tv deal with the ufc over this so that stuff's still intact fans are still going to go to the show fans are still going to watch Bars are still going to run the pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. All of that stuff's still going to happen. I wonder if there will be any sort of... I, and I don't, I don't. I'm starting to think maybe there won't either. But um, it would have been nice just to see individuals get on top of this. But as I'm starting to think, the only way something serious will happen is if sponsors sort of force it. And I'm not sure that's going to happen.
3: Yeah, I don't, uh, I think, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if when Dana White shows up at the event, uh, there's a standing ovation from fans. I mean, that's just the, Yeah, that's uh, a, that's a, that's a bit but I, I mean, part of it wonder, part of it is because they have the power slap league invest, which probably nonstop Dana White in the shows, right? That, and that's, they put money in stuff that has an air date coming up. I wonder if that's part of it. They're not like, we, we, we want to make our, one thing about Endeavor, they're obsessed with making money. I mean they need to because they have and interest rates are going up and they have a ton of debt so i'm I'm not sure if that's I hope you know it'd be maybe cynical, but I think that might be part of it that they they need him if this show has any chance of success Dana White has to be there.
2: I mean, he's already he's already done a Fuck It Friday, so I I I don't know if the,
3: uh, he's been advised that. No, the, don't don't they record those? In a, don't they record ton in advance? That might have been in the can. So yeah, but but uh, you, still he, you still would pull it. Well, yeah, a,
2: <laughs> he, he's aired it already, so I don't know if he thinks that the cycle. If, if he's been advised that the cycle has passed. I mean, it seems like TBS thinks that one week and it'll blow over. I mean, and then we go back to to demonizing the media for asking him more about this. But from Ari Emanuel's perspective, from Endeavor's perspective, they should have uh, reached out to Dana White this week uh, as soon as that TMZ uh, video hit and asked him, what's up? What's the deal? You know, we got to address this situation. Now, and, and that goes back to toleration. I mean, you know, are, is Endeavor and the, and ESPN and all those people, are they, uh, worried that Dana White will be mad at them that he's call, that they call him out to be accountable for his actions? I mean, you know, if, if you're, uh, if you're a player on the field and you fuck up, the coach is going to call you out. So Dana White fucked up. Did they talk to him and say, listen, we got to do something because this, is, this can't be tolerated. Now it could be that they know the sponsors are in love with Dana White or they love the USC product. They've been making much, tons of money. They won't go anywhere and they'll, they'll just, uh, you know, pat, anybody that uh, complains are the same complainers that complain about combat sports anyway.
1: Yeah, well, so I, anything else you want to add on that, John?
3: I think we've uh... no. I think I think we've got. I mean, we can go endlessly on it. And it's just at one point, it's just us, just you know, just for yeah. you know, going off. But
1: that moves us into this upcoming year for the UFC, and when I look at twenty twenty three, uh, I cannot remember the date. I had mentioned the date of this from an Endeavor earnings call, but I can't remember. If it's supposed to be early 2023 or early 2024, it might be early 2024 uh, of when they start negotiations for their U.S. TV deal. Um, but I look at 2023 as the last sort of setup year before you start negotiating your next huge package for the United States. So it's not the only year that matters, but it's a big deal this upcoming year because they're either sometime during this year starting negotiations for re-upping with ESPN, uh, uh or in the beginning of 2024. One of those two, I can't remember the date. Um, so this is a, is a very important year coming up. It didn't get off of the best start, but it's a very important year coming up for the UFC.
3: How do you guys see this year? Well, I'll just say they they announced that they're going to start early negotiations. I think starting now, they might've already started them and that the con, because the contract actually runs till 2025 because mm-hmm. it added two years to it. I believe 2025.
1: The end of 2025. Yeah.
3: So really they would have started negotiating that last year right before, but they've started negotiating, I guess, uh, for minor two years early. So, you know, so I, I'm. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know how the, and, and that's their big thing is obviously they want to get a better deal. The TV, the market seems to be changing drastically, though the sports market from the sound of it. So I don't know, you know, now might be the last gasp before the bubble actually pop. We keep hearing about the bubble and the sports bubble. It's going to pop. Maybe this might be the last gasp. I don't know, Jason, do you have a uh, thoughts on that? This negotiations, do you, have,
2: you know, you have- it'll be interesting what happens here because I don't want to cross over into the pro wrestling world, but the WWE. Is possibly on sale with Vince, Vince McMahon returning, just like just like uh, like, it's for three days after the debacle. But no, uh, with no. In, in all seriousness, Vince McMahon is returning with the possibility of selling WWE, but he wants to do that. Be, but he wants to negotiate the next WWE media rights deal, so it could impact. Endeavor and the UFC as it ne- negotiates its own deal. Uh, also Endeavor is been, its name has been bandied about as a possible purchaser of the WWE. So that could be something th- uh, that could be of interest in 2023.
1: Yeah. And I hear all that and I'm just like la, 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 la,
2: la, la, whatever. <laughs> oh, I got it, no, it is. I mean, it's, it's interesting. You, you have not followed this. This is interesting. He kicks out. He, he comes back. Right. I mean, it's like succession, right? He, he comes back, writes a letter. He, he installs two people that will vote with him. He kicks out three people that will vote for it. The two people that were, that were investigating his sex misconduct were forced to resign. That's, that's some drama for you.
1: It is, I know, and I know what you're saying was important. It's just WWE. I just do not
3: care. I do not.
2: But they, they might I, be. Endeavor is you, is a you, name that they got to care. Mention. The, the
3: blueprint of MMA is comes directly from pro wrestling. All the all the stuff we saw before is, we're seeing. In fact, a lot of the business stuff that comes from them. The idea the, they own the titles comes from pro wrestling. All that. So pro I wrestling. Even I. Even I don't watch pro wrestling. I haven't watched since like '89. No, come, come on. on. I still pay attention. No, I, I really haven't. I, I you, think but, it was. Were you, you don't remember Nick Bockwinkle? Oh, I, he's in the eighties. I definitely oh. remember Nick Bockwinkle. He was my, my man was Nick Bockwinkle. So yes, I remember him. I remember him taking him and Ray Stevens and all those guys. But 89 on after the ultimate Warriors showed up, that guy was awful. Couldn't stand it. I quit watching it. But I still, I, through osmosis alone, I actually do know a lot about like the, uh, the Monday Night Wars and all that weird stuff, even though I never watched a minute of that shit. But I, but I pay attention to the business side because there's a lot of, you know, just, it is, it is kind of interesting in the way they operate. But yeah, this, uh, now we're off on the, the tangent for the, but the, for the UFC, but I think that this is actually, this is the, this is a huge year, not just the TV deal. Uh, because of Endeavor's debt, right? Because they have a massive debt, because interest rates are rising, even though they, you know, it's not going to be, if they, if they went just on the LIBOR rate that they, uh, that they have, they have an alternative that's much cheaper they can use, but they went up the, their, their interest for the UFC would be like 250 million. I think it'd be up to now per year, annual payments and interest in the amortization of that debt. That's a massive amount. That's, you know, basically half their earnings, right? Would be going into debt. It's going to be lower than that, but that debt has risen dramatically from what was a year ago. So that's a big deal for them. And my, my thing is how serious is PFL and other promotions are about these fighters who are going to be at finding their contracts towards the end now that there's a sunset clause. I, this is why I think this year is kind of important. It, it's going to be interesting to see does do for the first time ever, do we see more than one, but actually several big name fighters try to fight outside the FC? And do we see a pay-per-view product created somewhere else? And what does that mean? Cause UFC has spent their entire career basically destroying anybody from being a pay-per-view product besides them. So it's, that's where I'm, I'll be intrigued to see what happens there because part of me says UFC won't care because they've got so much contractual revenue. I, I guess they're thinking like we just, we're just not going to be concerned about matching them and, and go, go at it. You make a pay-per-view product. We're going to have to learn to live with it because we are not going to risk. Paying off this debt and keeping these massive amount of inch uh revenues coming in so we can ship the money over to Endeavor to keep that afloat. Yeah.
1: Starting starting with Engano. I'm gonna throw in before going there that uh I do have an appreciation for wrestling from the original Nintendo Entertainment System. The video game was called Pro Wrestling, and that game was awesome.
2: Oh, I remember with, that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, with that Starman or whatever. Yeah the day i but the, the day i started going wait why do they run the ropes and just run back is the day that i started hating professional wrestling uh but <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah i think john makes a really good point right what happens with the with with uh um potential fighter defections and like like you said you can afford to lose an Ganu, and if he goes to the boxing he's probably going to get his ass kicked uh and uh, You know, it seems like them going to other MMA organizations is more of a threat than if they go into boxing and just have at it. Um, But if Diaz starts going over to PFL, if Ngannou somehow gets connected with PFL where he's still allowed to box, um, that that is, along with the TV deal, is probably the, what, the two biggest thread lines
3: of of MMA business this year. Is there anything else? Well, I guess the other ones is one that we're not going to talk about today. But again, if something happens in the antitrust suit, I do think we will make – something will happen this year and it's something (laughs) what i don't know but something's definitely going to happen in this year and i you know i guess for the ufc and all promotions we'll we'll talk later about the reintroduction the possible reintroduction of the ali act but i that's those are those are much more i think like um black swan type things that'll come out of nowhere if that happened where the, the concrete things we know is Fighters have the potential to leave the UFC and there's a TV deal for the UFC. And we also know that their goddamn contractual revenue is amazing. So, and, uh, <laughs> I, I, I wonder too, because there was no McGregor last year, no big purses. I bet you I wouldn't be shocked if their, their fighter pay went down last year, consider the number of, uh, Detent, White mm-hmm. contender fighters came in. I mean, are they learning that they can operate just on like, you know, we don't, we don't need, we don't even need pay-per-view stars anymore. <laughs> we can just, we can just keep the machine rolling the way it is. I, I wouldn't go that far personally.
1: I would yeah. the, those are the those are the people who get them the big TV deals. And you can have a year where ESPN has to pay you and you don't have strong you know as strong numbers as you might otherwise, but <laughs> you want those you want those fighters cuz that's what get those fighters that would get you the big at least that's my take. Those are what get you that next big contract. Yeah. I don't know, do you have something different?
2: Yeah, my big prediction for 2023 is Conor McGregor comes back for at least two fights in the UFC. I think that, that would, I mean, those, those two events alone would pro, I mean, I, I'm, I'm just, just pinpointing, uh, international fight week in July and then, uh, December. Of two thousand twenty three as fights I mean he's been out too long uh i I foresee him coming back, and that would mean bonkers money for for the UFC just because just for the return of, of of who knows how he's gonna be as a fighter anymore
3: we'll see I'm gonna throw a curve on that I'm gonna say he he comes back but he doesn't fight because technically uh unless he retired or whatever for a while and I don't think he really did. His he signed his last contract in 2018. That means his five year sunset is sometime this fall 2023. My my big wild card is he sees Nate Diaz leaves and makes money, and the UFC will not give him the massive payday he wants. He waits out his contract. So he, does he fight this year? Then I mean maybe after that, but uh, in PFL. Well, I don't, I mean, maybe the PFL could have a you know, put their brand on it or something, but no, I think it'd be McGregor and whoever McGregor fights, if he does, it's going to be McGregor sports entertainment. It just, you know, he'll, he might pull PBC and hire a promoter of record just to be, that has a license and stuff, but it's really, it's going to be his show. So McGregor FC.
2: So does John, uh, and we're going, but this
3: does have to deal with business. John Jones, does he come back? Yes. But again, his contract supposedly up next year, so I don't know if he resigns the UFC. Th- that's the thing, I guess. For me, is the big if someone that that's why makes it so important. If one fighter, one or two, get out and get big deals, then there's all these fighters that at the very end of their contracts might decide just to sit out and try to do the same. But the alternate, if, if there is no big offer, if no one sees this happen, they might all just resign with the UFC and say there's just not there's not a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Yeah. And the first thing is, does UFC match those before that? Yes, exactly. Yeah. The Hulk thing, which is where we talked about earlier. The, does the UFC, are they, are they willing to match or they're just like, we just want the the cash flow staying, you know, the margin saying ridiculously high.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So there's a lot of interesting thread lines this year. Is there anything else you guys want to throw in?
2: More sponsors for the UFC. I think they, they signed like a, a car deal and a uh new hotel deal, no more Motel Six. Maybe they go Marriott or Hyatt or something like that. But more sponsors on the way for the UFC. So I I, I just they've had they had a, a sneaky good year last year and I think they'll have another good one this year.
1: Yeah, it is amazing the new categories they can just come up with. Mm-hmm. The official you know, level one blockchain. <laughs> okay.
2: Yeah, but I mean, they haven't, they haven't had a big, a big like core deal, like, like all the other have the official car of the, you know, UFC, that sort of thing. Oh, hey, another thing that we haven't even talked about, this could expand, but game, the gambling situation. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, we've been off for a while uh investigation uh, what will become of that and how 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 that will be dealt with uh seems to be interesting cuz you know James Kraus and a couple of his uh fighters are still suspended we we'll probably know at the next commission meeting in Nevada what they'll do but uh i don't know if this is another thing that they'll just sweep underneath the uh the rug and hopefully goes away without any more uh hints because definitely they are really uh into the gambling with the yeah. draftkings and all their other um, betting partners
3: yeah, that's a major focus for you know uh growth for them because you know they've they've kind of maxed out a lot of things in the u s as I'm waiting for the official garden tool section or something like that, and you know' there's the official <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah so but but uh th- that's something that they have they've been targeting to grow that and they also have their own uh, bet what's that the betting service they have uh uh that they've Steak. 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 so so the the endeavors really been focused on this something to build up on and i i think you know the, the problem is MMA is especially UFC is it seems specifically designed to be screwed with for gambling because oh. you, you put a lot of poor undercard fighters that are dependent on fighting the UFC has the machine going. So a lot of these guys then are injured or, you know, they can't get out of a fight and they they know that they're, they're two fight losses. This is the end. And there's all these incentives for them to like, okay, I'm going to cat this. My career is done and they don't make a lot. And but the there's a lot of betting action on them because they're on the undercard of big fights because we've conditioned fans to bet on all these fights. Yeah. And so it makes it easier to be, you know, the, the basically big servicing fraudulent fights. So I do think that they're kind of susceptible to that. And I don't know what they're what they're I mean, their answer right now is to prevent fighters from betting, but it is weird, um, as Rob Macy points out that independent contractors are not allowed to bet on themselves that the, 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 the boss is basically telling them you cannot place bets, which is a long tradition in boxing is to place a bet on yourself. So yeah.
2: Yeah. I, 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 I recall Ronda Rousey and her camp always used to make bets on, bet on themselves, uh, bet on Ronda.
3: when yeah. she fought. I mean, uh, the, I can understand you saying you can't bet against yourself. You can't bet on, you know, maybe other fights on the card, but to say you can't bet on yourself seems, you know, as an independent, it seems like an intrusion on the independent contractor's, independent contractor status.
2: Yeah. And, and, and again, the, 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 issue is not always going to be the main event. It's always going to be undercards where people aren't necessarily watching the lines. I mean, I mean, the, this Derek Minor, uh, situation, he was, he was on the undercard. I mean, it's always going to be one of those obscure fights that you, that, uh, people will try to take advantage of. You know, it's not going to be a Conor McGregor fight. There's too much, too many eyes on, on line there. And, you know, if the line, moves re- anyway you know the, the people will be investigating what's going on so the, gambling definitely it, over across i mean not only the ufc
3: but across uh, all M- of mma uh will be something yeah the, the, the one game. thing that makes ufc i think more ripe for it is because again they've, they've got so much pfl has a ton of money money wrapped up in the gambling industry too but ufc is doing so much to build up their the gambling revenue for the UFC and, and, and tying it into gambling. But also, like we said, there's so many viewers that there's so much probably more action on an undercard fighter than you would for any other. Pro- I don't know if anybody's even you be- I don't even think they take bet on Bellator undercards. So, <clears throat>
1: but it's why it's why um the UFC had to come down so strong. So first off, before I go to my point, do we know, did the two Providences in Canada, Canada, uh, have they reinstated betting or are they still waiting for the, um, the results of the, uh, investigations?
3: Alberta uh-huh. definitely reversed themselves. I remember yeah. that. I'm not sure about, uh, okay. Uh, so
1: then what UFC uh, did with Krause was probably good enough for them. It sounds like, yeah,
3: they, they said it was something was happening, but yeah,
1: I mean, you all the thing, all the things you guys are saying, the UFC had to come down so incredibly hard on it. The interesting thing I want to find out is what happens to Derek minor, right? Uh, Does he get, does he get picked up by another, you know, major promotion? Uh, and if he doesn't, what you would think that would tell people is if you do this and we remotely suspect anything's going on, your career is over, which hopefully is a big enough penalty to, to, to maybe second guess yourself and maybe not do it. If you know you can go to a company like PFL that's throwing around money. Uh, then maybe that's not as much of a disincentive. So I'm interested to see what happens with Derek Minor over the next year or two. Um, cause that sort of, uh, 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 that I, will tell fighters, you know, it, it, I don't, I can't speak to the legality or illegality of what happened, right? You know, UFC was saying you might be breaking state law and stuff like that. I can't speak to any of that, but the fact that you get dumped from the UFC that when they were clearly, one hundred percent the highest paying organization around by far, that's a big deal. Um, but now, you know, Bellator is pretty decent. PFL, if you think you can get a million bucks, that's could it could be even better than the UFC. Um and so I would love to know what those how those other organizations hand, handle handled Derek Minor.
3: Well uh, I I mean maybe I might send a signal to other fighters. My feeling is uh, I'm not we should anybody know maybe we Google Ontario and see if they're still banning it. I'm not sure. But uh uh for Derek Bader I I think his career I mean my guess is he was calling it ends he, he lost that was his third loss in a row in the UFC you leave the UFC for a lot of fighters it's like what's the point of continuing I'm 30 he's in his 30s he's not probably not going to make it back to the UFC you got to imagine at that point the big fight, he's not a star big fights are not available in other promotions I you know I I can imagine it was a cash out you know my leg is screwed I got to fight anyways it's you know well this is how I'll go out Right, which may be why we didn't see that kind of happen with T.J. Dillashaw,
1: because he wasn't even though he retired when he fought, he wasn't in that situation. But Derek Miner, yeah, I'm assuming when he fought, he thought he was going to keep fighting, and he's a high level fighter.
3: Yeah, there's, yeah. I mean, Dillashaw has options. Yeah, but that's why that's why Miners are the perfect guy for I think where the risk is. But these guys that that you know we saw with Bryce Mitchell that he needs the fight, he has to take it. He has the flu. There's guys. Bottom of the card, they don't have the power, the ability, the resources to say no to a fight. They have to show up. You know, they also know there's a lot of fights and one or two fights. The matchmakers let them know that you're on lo- you're on a losing streak. If you don't fight this time, we might let you go. You know that we're giving you another shot. Don't blow it. So they show up. You're injured. You're already on a multi-fight losing streak. Uh, You know you're going to lose because you're injured. You know I, I think it, that it's not an uncommon situation. And I think that's what makes it. So again, that's what makes MMA, I think, so perfect for, you know, this type of fight fixing.
2: Well, the other thing is I think they also suspended Jeff Molina, which is a younger flyweight under James Krause. So I'm not sure what, what's, what's going to happen with that. But again, this is as a, uh, they're going, they're going to announce why they, um, suspended him at the next commission meeting. So that'll be interesting too.
1: Yeah. I'm putting you on the spot here, Jason, but do you know anything? about like those state laws the UFC referenced about how fighters might get in trouble for gambling on their fight. Like,
2: yeah, if you gamble on your fight, you might be in trouble.
1: No, but I mean, I cuz we know In that we have to of, do it, right? They were clear Ronda
2: Rousey was openly doing it years ago. Uh I'm not sure what would no, to be honest with you, I don't I'm not sure what uh state laws they're they're talking about. I I mean, I I, I guess you can uh whatever if there's an integrity of the sport provision with the commission that you sign. Uh, when you get you obtain your license, you'd be violating whatever the terms of license you, you would have with the, com- the commission when you get your fight license. That's the only thing I could think of because I mean, you know, when you fit, I mean, the one thing back to my book, if you ever you guys will, uh, if as you guys have know from reading it, one thing I noted about betting, uh, in MMA is that you could have, two guys two fighters say you know what uh let's bet the over let's let's fight two rounds you know no one no one takes everybody out no one no one subs each other third round let's go let's go for it may the best man win if the so if the uh, if if you got if the over under is 2.5 rounds we bet the over is is that really fight fixing because we didn't we didn't settle on who would win, we just settled on how how long we would go. You know, so there's always there's always ways to get get around the, the, the betting situation. I, I mean, and fight fitting, fixing situation. I got that from uh, actually Ryan Rodenberg, so you, your old your old pal. Who did yeah. Uh, but um, so I mean, there's always ways to get around the situation. I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest anyone do that, to be honest with you. Or if you do, let me know so I could put some money down. Uh,
1: just we just kidding. sat in on Jason Cruz's law class. Thank um, God he I, didn't like, uh, call on one of us.
2: <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But, uh, you know, it, 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 there, obviously the integrity of the sport is, is very important. Especially when you have gamblers, because if there is an inkling of a fight fix, you know, like that—that that they know that people were fixing fights so people, uh, certain betters could win, there will be the action for the fights. Would uh, go somewhere else. We'd be betting, people would be betting on basketball or football or something else. So they want to make sure that the integrity of the sport is still there. So, uh, the bettors will have some semblance of, okay, uh, I could bet on, you know, I could make a, a skillful bet on one or the other and not, and, and be assured that these dudes aren't conspiring to fix a fight.
1: Yeah. These are all interesting topics for the UFC this year. Um <laughs> Anything else on these or are we moving on to Bellator
3: 1? Yeah. We should probably move on. We will we could spend all day on UFC. Oh, yeah. I I've been running yeah, let's go. All
1: right, we never picked an order of this before the show started Bellator 1. So you guys are going to pick live now. <laughs> Bellator. You want to go Bellator. With? We haven't talked right.
2: about Bellator that much
1: bellator comes into 2023 i think their first event isn't for a while right is it January, January, early february LA. huh big one it's the big one february 4th in la cbs yeah. LA. la doesn't mean anything to me anymore it's all about vegas but uh <laughs> just kidding <laughs> <laughs> la is the best except for their taxes um all right so they got their first show in february uh The rumor that, what, Ariel Hawani, I believe, put out this week was that they might be up for sale. John is the man who knows everyone and everything in MMA. We have to start with you. (laughs) Is Ariel Hawani full of it or what?
3: Well, I I mean, maybe you know something specific, but uh, the Belter's been for sale for a long time. I mean, I think it's – originally this started uh, back when World Series of Fighting was changing into PFL, and they were hiring a bank to work as the – to help them raise money within, you know, the the one investment uh, bank to help them raise money. And I, I don't know if it was Goldman Sachs or, but the, they told him that, no, we can't because we're already representing Bellator. Now that started a rumor that Bellator was for sale, but really what at that time, what it was is Dazone was talking about buying a chunk of Bellator. You know, we're going to do a Dazone deal with, it. we want to buy a bunch of you that fell apart. And the, the pandemic and all the problems basically killed the whole deal to begin with. But so Bellator wasn't looking to unload themselves, but uh, my understanding is always that Beltor, if there's an offer out there, they're always looking. If you're willing to offer them enough, we are willing to sell. We are not attached to this company forever. We are willing to unload it. We are just not going to do a fire sale. We are not interested in selling it for anything. And so if there is, if there's rumors now that Beltor might be for sale, maybe someone has put together a big enough deal that they think it's worthwhile, that they'll get some return on it. But, but so I, I can't say I have not heard that. I haven't heard anyone specifically looking into buying Bellator uh I don't know who'd have the money I don't know it, it would be a sizable amount I guess that they would want to sell for but I don't know who'd want to pay that much because I honestly as I say before MMA promotions brand doesn't mean jack I don't I don't know what you're getting for the brand so I don't think those matter at all so you'd, you'd be better almost start from scratch so but if they can that that's a possibility
1: All right Jason how about you what do you think the what do you think the, uh, uh, 2023 Bellator outlook is?
2: You know, 2022, first of all, for Bellator was a pretty good year, but it wasn't anything exceptional, to be honest with you. I thought they had some good fights. I thought they had some good fighters, some breakout fighters there. Um, but yeah, so a lot will be hanging on what, what we see, uh, on February 4th, um, on CBS. I think that, uh Bellator is hoping uh, that they'll kind of re- kind of move into something quarterly with CBS, I think the Showtime deal has kind of limited them in terms of ratings and viewership. They're, they're not really pulling in a lot of view, viewers on Showtime and mainly a lot of that has to deal with the fact that it's a subscription-based uh, channel and not necessarily everyone's tuning in for every fight every quarter and some of these guys, you know, you might not, not know. And so that's an issue. The other issue is, of course, is that you know they hold events uh, overseas and like they will air things live uh, on Showtime in the middle of the day, and you don't realize, of course, what's going on, <laughs> when these things happen. The most notable, of course, is uh, is the New Year's Eve show with Ryzen. I think that one positive is that the uh, interleague thing with Ryzen interpromotional promotional thing with Ryzen Bellator and Ryzen is interesting and can draw some viewership. I think the the problem. With that is that you know uh, you air these things and they're not happening at a time when people are watching. That's, so that that's an issue. As far as uh, the purchase and sale of, 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 I mean the the sale of Bellator, I definitely think that. Uh, it's it's possible, but you know, again, it's it's not like the UFC or or for that matter the PFL where there is some actionable things happening. You know, the UFC is at, at the top. Uh, PFL has now Jake Paul. Bellator, you know, is still moving along, but I mean, we need to we need to be re- reinfused with something going on with Bellator right now. It's my 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 thing. So I, I, I yeah, as far as 2024 goes, you know, hope, I mean 2023 goes. I hope, uh, you know, I hope they get on CBS more to, to draw more more eyes for the product. Yeah, yeah I'm with gonna, you. I hope right.
3: they get on. Go go ahead, John. I would say the one thing they have going for them is they do have the strongest non-UFC roster. If you look at the ratings and stuff easily. there, e- people always thought well, we have the best. No, easily they have the most number of top 10 fighters outside mm-hmm. of the UFC guys that have, can, can actually argue that they might be possibly number one at light heavyweight. And so they have. They have some of the top fighters, and on top, they also still, even though, I mean, Ryzen actually does great numbers for, like, the gates and stuff for some of their events. But in MMA, and especially in North America and outside the UFC, they still do nothing like what the UFC does, but they still do better gates than everybody. We still see 10,000 of them drawing 10,000 fans occasionally last year. The problem for, I guess, I'm guessing a big problem, though, is they are not really, I don't think they're drawing a lot of traffic to Showtime there's not, we don't see this, there's not a lot of interest outside of a hardcore fan base, but of all the MMA promotions, even though, you know, there probably may be more attention because they're on ESPN, PFL, I think the, a paying fan base that'll show up by tickets, it seems to me Bellator still has the strongest kind of hardcore fan base of the MMA promotions outside the UFC here in the U S. Ryzen's a little, Ryzen and KSW are a little different.
2: Yeah, I haven't haven't been to a Bellator event. There are a lot of people that come to show to 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 attend. I don't, and I don't know if it's just because they have a lot of maybe wrestling based MMA fighters or whatnot, but they they they, they do they or they they have their local local fighters at, at uh that go to these local events. Uh But it, it it is packed. It is packed. So people do go go in attendance. They do well at the gate. I admire Bellator. I admire Bellator
1: a lot. I mean, they, they, you know, they started with the tournament format and then they morphed it into uh, uh, easily. I don't even think it's up for debate. I mean, I guess it depends on how you view number two but in terms of quality of fighters, like number two MA promotion in the world easily. Um, and, and, and they're profitable and at least we think,
3: suspect they still are. <laughs> uh, and go ahead. So I mean, I don't know if that I mean, the zone deal was what made them profitable before yeah. that they I you know, I, I got a feeling they're probably back more to the break even, you know, point than they were that the that zone money's not there anymore. So Yeah,
1: and that always goes back to the game of how much does Showtime want to pay them and all, all that other stuff when they have the same owner, uh and and those kind of things. But uh but they they've built an organization <laughs> that that can effectively run, that isn't isn't dying for new investor money every day that has the second best fighters. And I mean, arguably in certain certain with certain ones, the best, right. They have a talented roster of fighters that can compete with anyone. And they put on great shows. They put on entertaining shows. They put on fun shows. Um, And so I just hope we keep seeing more that I don't, I don't care who buys them. I agree with you. I don't think now I used to, um, when they went to DAZN, I wouldn't, I didn't, I wouldn't subscribe to DAZN, but when it was Bellator there, with shows every few weeks uh i was a disowned subscriber but i don't think that effect is that strong and a lot of people kind of already have showtime like i'm for me i already had it i didn't need to subscribe to showtime to see bellator um and the way i do it is just annoying if i don't see him live i can't i have the app for they like they won't show you the fight if you get home at like 10 or 11 o'clock at night and the fight's over you have to wait till the next morning that drives me crazy I hate that so much. <laughs> I can't just get home and catch up really quick on the fights, mm-hmm. right? And I can't record them because it's a subscription through like the Showtime app. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That is really annoying. So I'm, I'm kind of in Jason's camp that like all the things you were saying, they kind of need to figure out their distribution and how they're going to handle, uh, um, yeah. their TV presence, but, I mean, um,
2: yeah, the thing is, if you're a fight fan, you're not gonna pay 15 bucks a month for Showtime on, on your cable subscription, because it, if you're not watching any other movies or anything, it's not worth, I mean, maybe boxing, I guess you can, yeah. uh, watch Showtime Boxing, but yeah, again, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, not, that added better if you want to if you don't want to watch and now like you know it's it, it, it's they they do have some great fighters i think Usman, Numa aj mckee the brian bader they're all great they're all good fighters and arguably the best in their divisions uh in the world including mma
3: well bader isn't come on nemkov might be yeah, let's no, just say I mean, everything I'm James sorry. said, excluding Bader. No, Bader's good. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, they have, you know, but they have it lightweight potentially, Uzman maybe, but he's not ranked that high yet. But, you know, Pitbull is, you know, uh, Patricio Pitbull. He's, uh, they, they do have a lot of quality guys. I guess I do think there's also, there's, we talked about PFL getting in the pay-per-view market. If fighters start leaving the UFC, I do think there's also a chance that Bellator, starts going from because they do have showtime is good at putting on pay-per-views. They have a track record in history. So select fighters, if they could, they're not going to do like, I think Like PFL would take the gamble. We will give you a large guarantee. And if it doesn't work, we're going to kind of eat it because we need to get it in the pay-per-view market. We have this money, this investment money. We need this to work. Where bellator is going to be a little more cautious, but if Nate Diaz is available and and let's say Nate Diaz wants to box Jake Paul, there's no guarantee that's going to be in the PFL cage. That could be something that Showtime does. If Engano leaves, now maybe they sign him to fight Bader. But if Engano leaves and those other heavyweights fall, I could then see Showtime saying these are the type of fights we think we can sell, and we'll give you—you know—we already have a a system in place with our boxing model that you will make a lot of money. We will give you a huge chunk of this. So, I do think there's that. There's an outside chance they could also start competing in that field, but they're not. They're not. I don't think they're. They're. They're a little. Well, technically the truth, people don't realize this. Outside of the pay-per-view attractions in UFC and the guys entering the UFC, a lot of fighters in that, let's say, the next tier down that are not immediate challengers or even challengers but don't have our pay-per-view draws actually make more outside the UFC. Like Musasi and Corey Anderson, those guys, are getting paid more by Bellator than they would have had in the UFC. So there is, you know, the key, though, is now getting the bigger fighters that are going to really propel you. To get a fan base, you know, get the fans to tune in, and that 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 always puts the potential to cost a lot of money. You could always end up losing money doing that. So, and so
1: that's what they've got ahead of them. Anything else you guys want to throw in here for Bellator
3: 2023? No, except I think the them the relationship with them and Ryzen is is kind of underreported. That's super important. I don't think the for both of them, Ryzen, it does much better. I think most people, I think actually Ryzen might be the second big number, number two promotion, not by fighter quality, but the amount of money they generate per event. Yeah. You know, their ticket, you look at the ticket prices, what they sold for that show and what they sold some other ones, blow any other MMA promotion away for the gate and they're selling pay-per-views. And uh, my understanding is this, this one did very well, not as good as the match, but several hundred thousand pay-per-views seems likely. So that's more money, you know, in one event, in two events, the match in this, they probably made as much as or more than any other MMA promotion. The poor PFL
1: mm-hmm. folks are like, how did
3: they get so many people to go to their show? <laughs> I
1: yeah. haven't checked their I haven't checked their attendance uh, for this past year, but you know, I was tracking and it was got it used to be god awful. <laughs> but
3: uh, <laughs> well, speaking of god awful, we're on to our next promotion. <laughs> No, just
1: all right. One championship coming to United, coming to Colorado this year, I believe.
2: Yeah, the irony of that is that it wasn't UFC one in uh, at the Broomfield. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The bank one. So 1993, 30th yeah. anniversary this year. There you go. Am I, am I supposed to, since I, I chimed in? I'll go, I'll go. So what? Go for so, so here's the funny thing. So uh, they are finally, I, I had actually attended back in 2018 a one uh, media event when they were all r- raring to go and talking about their, their having offices in New York and LA and they had Misha Tate and, um, Demetrius Johnson and, um, our good friend Richard Rich Frank, Ace Franklin, Rich Ace Franklin, and they did the whole media tour. And then they had um, our our smiling blonde guy. What's his name? Uh, I forget the other guy who signed with one smiling blonde guy. Sage, oh, oh. sage, sage, yes, North sage Cut. and so that happened like several years ago, and here we are now, finally in the year 2023, and they finally are breaking through to the U.S. after all that time. So I guess this is uh like PFL. It's 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 put up or shut up time as they make their inroads into the U.S i mean i i feel as though a lot of it is banking on this Amazon prime Association for them uh into in helping them promote this event and hoping to God that Demetrius Johnson does not get injured um so we will see how how this goes um you know uh uh it's un- uh, uh, I guess we should raise up the unfortunate news of Victoria Lee passing away at the only at the only at the age eighteen it's terrible. Um, and, and her family obviously is big with one FC, uh, that is unfortunate. Um, but as far as the business side goes, uh, this, this will be, uh, one of the, uh, bigger, similar to PFL. It's a make or break year for how, how the business to, and the promotion goes.
1: And what would, what would your guess be, John? How do you think? Of, well, first off, I'm just going to say shout out to, uh, Colorado for, uh, um, uh, The athletic commission for sanctioning this as someone who's been in the regulatory space since, I don't know, 2015 or so. I ended up getting certified as a ref and as a judge and actually got licensed in California and, and would work shows and be involved with regulators a lot. Um, it's so nice to see regulators that are, you know, trying to evolve and look towards the future and not scared, constantly scared of getting sued just to try new things. Um, Kansas is another one, Colorado as well. Uh, so really quick shout out to them for uh, 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 accepting one's rules and, and, and bring them to the United States. Now let's hope nothing bad happens, but uh, <laughs> John, how do you see this going?
3: <laughs> and, uh, I, I, the, the big question is how it does in Denver because uh, we don't – the numbers they give don't add up. We've seen the finances. They raise a ton of money. I don't know how they raise a ton of money, but they raise a ton of money and then they spend it. And they apparently seem to spend it on the metric and creating more metrics to raise more money because we're not seeing it in actual like results like ticket sales and their merchandise is not, you think if they have this massive brand that their merchandise would be through the roof and they're, you know, ticket people to be lined up. They make tons at the gate. They don't seem to be doing that. They have sponsorship and, uh, revenue and their broadcast revenue, but a lot of questions on those revenues because, you know, barter transactions. So it doesn't seem like real revenue for the most part. So. On that front, they have got to be burning through the runway. They don't have, I mean, they still have money probably enough to last a little bit, but not a lot. And can they raise more money? I don't know who would put more money at this point. So the point at this point, they should be churning it in to actual revenue. They should be able to turn on the sprig at this point, sprig it. And the thing is, is that they, I do have detected a note when they got an Amazon interest in the US seemed to go up. I don't know how much. So this, this this card in Denver will really display how much interest is there. Because when Pride came over, man, they sold millions of tickets when they first came over. So I don't expect that. But we will see how much interest they really have when they do this American show. And that will be a big gauge of how successful that Amazon deal is. Because the one thing bad with that Amazon deal, my understanding, it pays about $5 million a year. That's not going to cover what they need to make. For a company that's supposedly worth over a billion – You need much more than a $5 million a year domestic, U.S. domestic broadcast deal. But they're now locked into that deal for five years. And so if they can go in and do a big show in Denver and it looks like there's a lot of interest, they may be able to renegotiate that Amazon deal. They may be able to do pay-per-views. They may be able to get sell tickets. All that's a possibility. But what makes me a little cautious about that is you don't want to hear them talking about going after the big fighters that would draw pay-per-view sales. They don't seem to be interested that much anymore in going for the big free agents like they did a couple of years ago. And also, the if if they're not gonna go for them, I don't see how they can they can what other ways they can to generate the money that they're gonna need. So I guess the other thing is they their plan has always been an IPO, but if you pay attention, I don't think they're listed on the SEC anymore.
1: No, I don't think so.
3: Yeah. So the, the plan was, I mean, like remember they moved to the Caymans, then they got, they, they, uh, they had their, they were listed on the SEC. We kept waiting to see if they would file something. No longer. So what's the end goal now to sell the company? I mean, that's always been the plan in IPO. I don't know. So they're waiting for someone, you know, someone in the Middle East that's going to throw just a ton of money down on them. I don't know.
1: Yeah, and that was a plan when they could these are my words, nothing about nowhere near one championship's words. That was a plan when they could sucker people into a uh SPAC or something like that. <laughs> that market's basically dead. That market's basically dead. IPO and happen I mean, one is yeah, like you said, if if assuming they're still bleeding money, they've raised what, over about five hundred million dollars or something like over, that?
3: Over by yeah, like yeah, five hundred US dollars, six hundred and fifty million or so Singapore dollars, so Right. (laughs) And
1: so there and what I was talking about earlier, that stage where you're supposedly a growth company, not not making money, you're you're selling the future. And people are very skeptical on that now. It'll change over the next year or two, but I don't think it's going to go back necessarily to the old days that quickly. So, yeah, they really need to have some nice results because I agree with you. They have I love their fights love their fights i cannot wait for them to be on amazon i know you don't see them because you're not on amazon john but jason and i can't wait for them to be on amazon like i love watching their fights but we are the type of fans there's not there's not a ton of us right <laughs> there they're, we're not the people who would uh you know the the market size they would need for uh for an Amazon to get really excited about them or to remotely go into pay-per-view, even though they put on such enjoyable fights and such enjoyable shows. So.
3: Yeah, I, I think actually it's like, uh, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, Larry Ellaby said about boxing. I think MMA is the same is the truthfully there's a hundred thousand hardcore fans that if you put on a product, that is interesting. The hardcore, if you can get a hundred thousand, you, but you gotta get beyond the hardcore bubble to be successful. Right. Yeah. And so, but one is probably the guys tuning into uh, Amazon, I imagine, unless they're being heavily promoted on Amazon, who knows? They might be a trying, drawing an attraction. You know, they're, I haven't looked at like the metrics of the, uh, the websites. If they're drawing, if there's much more attention now, interest in one, but you know, maybe they're, they move beyond that. That's the key.
1: Yeah. And I'll just throw out there one of their first, the first couple shows I could go on and find them very easily. I don't know if you, have you seen this Jason? Like the last couple, the last two or so I'm like, I'm like going everywhere in the freaking Amazon app. I'm like, where the hell, (laughs) even when
2: I search sometimes it's hard to find. them. You know, it's one of the gripes I have with the prime is just, it's very hard. Uh, NFL is very easy. You, you, You can always find it, but like one and like, the fights are hard. Like, I don't know what the deal is with the interface, but they got to deal with that. They got to make, if they're going to make this a big fight, May 5th, they got to have it right on the front banner for people to, to, to watch. Cause like you said, it's, it, it's, it's the same thing I have with ESPN uh, digital is just like, you need to make these things more accessible. So you sort of can see it. I mean, anyway there you go that's my rant
1: (laughs) yeah and part of that that's not even one part of that's amazon like does amazon not know that i've watched every single one of these and when a show comes it should be on my my home screen
2: yeah well exactly exactly and then i'm sure one's hoping that they just get the giant banner in front like they do with nfl games so yeah yeah
1: anyway all right guys 50th show looking out to 2023 Talking about a few important things, is there anything else you guys want to add or throw in?
3: No, we could, we'll just mention briefly that there's talk of the ALIAC being reintroduced, but, uh, that's something I think will be on a wait and see. If it happens, we should, we can do a whole episode on it. There's a lot of information on that, so we'll We'll see you guys in six
2: months <laughs> yes. when <the> next year
1: <laughs> watch bullware is gonna issue his order this is Sunday night tomorrow <laughs> we're gonna be like all right,
3: let's do it again <laughs> we will uh, we'll be here we'll have the, we have a we have a I have a phone an alert i have a we have a signal that goes in the sky when it when it happens <laughs> to alert us and we will be gathering <laughs> and
1: I will ask you this, this, this really quick uh so do you think they would hold any kind of hearing or they would do the, uh, the draft of the legislation first again and
3: then do another hearing or what would we probably see? Well, I think the first thing that my guess they'd reintroduce the legislation, like cause yeah. you'd put the bill in and then they'd have a hearing about the bill. But uh again, like I said, I'm going to wait to see it actually happen and see if there's any movement. And well, then we, you know, cause, I mean, it took 36 years between the first introduction of something in boxing in 1960 to the passage of the Boxing Professional Boxing Safety Act, and then in four more years before the All Act got passed. So, uh Emma, you know, uh, we will. I think we should wait and see how serious of effort it is before you really get uh because I mean, there's always a chance, especially now if, uh, if people find the sports scuzzy and they think that something has to be done because we're out slapping people all the time. Who knows? This might be the perfect time to introduce it.
1: All right, everyone. We will
3: see you in a little bit. I don't know exactly when
1: it will be, but we are keeping our fingers crossed that something big will be happening, uh, in the antitrust front soon. Because the guy claimed he had it written already. We thought he might be giving people a break for the holidays. It is now January. Hopefully he will post this thing soon and we will be all over it. All right. On behalf of John Nash and Jason Cruz, I'm Paul Giff. Remind you to keep doing business as usual.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Presents production. To check out more of our content, subscribe to our YouTube channel which is titled Bloody Elbow Presents. We're also on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Player FM, and Amazon Music. Just search for Bloody Elbow Presents and you'll get brand new shows throughout the week, including Care Don't Care, the Level Change Podcast, the MMA Section, the 6th Round Post Fight Show, Sixth Round Retro, The MMA Depressed Us, Crookland's Corner, Exclusive Fighter Interviews, Show Money, Guest Podcasts, The Hey Not The Face Podcast, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloody elbow blog, and as always on bloodyelbow.com.